0: This week on The Federalist Radio Hour. There should be built in this idea that nobody wants their company to be responsible for this level of death and destruction. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey guys, be sure to visit my website, www.saraacarter.com. That's Sarahacarter.com. For my latest reporting and stories, and guess what? while you're there, be sure to subscribe to my email list so that we can stay in touch so that we can stay in touch. and I'm so glad because so many of you are, and I want to be able to communicate with you one-on-one, and I don't want to lose you in the craziness of censorship or being ostracized, because as you know, we're getting closer to the election, right? November. November. This is, this is the time where Democrats start to show who they really are. They start growing horns and things start happening. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, today I'm going to be joined by Mayor Keith Peacock. I know that some of you out there know exactly who I'm talking about because he has had a video that has gone viral across the United States. He's a candidate for Congress and he is the mayor of Orland Park, Illinois. We will be breaking down the SAFE-T Act. And then T is like in the alphabet, right? T. And it's exactly the opposite of what it says it does. This was passed by Illinois State Congress and it actually makes crimes like aggravated DUI, arson, trespassing, and others non-detainable meaning offenders will only get a ticket and then they'll be released. I mean, this is completely insane. And you won't believe what else is in this act. What else is in this act? I mean, people could literally be like living in your backyard, in your shed, and you won't be able to get rid of them. The cops will only be able to give them a ticket. I can't even believe That this is real. um, And that's what we're going to be talking about. I'll also cover a message uh, sent by US Army leadership that recommended listen to this, and this is at sarahacarter.com if you want to see this story. Army leadership recommended that US servicemen and women sign up for food stamps to help cover the costs in Joe Biden's economy. You guys, this is what the Dems want to do. They want to own you. They want to humiliate you. They want you to feel like you can't do anything unless they're providing it for you. I would be so insulted, and I I am actually. uh, My husband's retired U.S. Army. How insulting is this? Go ahead and get food stamps because we're not paying you enough and groceries have gone up so much in our Horrific economy. We're going to be talking about that. Hey, everyone, please follow and subscribe. Get all the links. You know where? SarahACarter.com. That is SarahACarter.com. And while you're there, sign up for our email list so that you don't get shadow banned. Now, you know AMAC is a company that I love. AMAC is a company that represents and sponsors the Sarah Carter Show I absolutely believe in this organization, and I know that you do too, because I've seen how many of you that listen to the Sarah Carter show have actually joined AMAC. And by joining AMAC, you know what I'm going to say. You're taking the first steps in saving the America that you love. AMAC offers an alternative to just about every benefit that that other group offers, and I won't say their name here, that other group, you know what I'm talking about, but without the liberal agenda, I stand with AMAC, and I hope that you will too. I encourage you to join today at amac.us slash carter. That's amac.us slash carter. The benefits of membership are great, but guess what? The cause is even greater. Join today at amac.us slash carter. So let's start out with these stories. These are just, they blow my mind. They blow my mind because I can't believe in this day and age and with everything that we have been through from 21 years ago, September 11th, let's just go there. The danger that our country was in because of our failed security, our lack of information sharing, where hostages could literally seize our airplanes and use them as weapons, target the World Trade Center, target the Pentagon, target our state capital. Sadly, the last plane that went down, we all know that it was because of the the greatness of the Americans on board that flight that was over Pennsylvania. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because every single day, every single day that I talk about the U.S.-Mexico border, that I talk about the dangers on that border, every other journalist that's reporting about the situation on the border and in Central America and in Mexico, we talk about the national security implications of that. We also talk about how our law enforcement officials, are fighting this battle alone without the backing of the federal government. Here's a story from Breitbart. Human smuggler drags border patrol agent with fleeing vehicle. This is the feds. Feds are reporting this. Federal authorities say a U.S. human smuggler dragged a Tucson sector border patrol agent with his car as he attempted to flee apprehension. A Wilcox Station Border Patrol agent, I've been there many times, attempted to stop an SUV on SR-80 in Arizona on September 6th, and this is according to Tucson Sector Chief Patrol Agent John R. Maudlin on Monday. The driver, a U.S. citizen, attempted to flee and dragged the agent approximately 15 feet. Other agents eventually took the driver and seven migrants into custody. Thankfully, the Border Patrol agent had no significant injuries, but it doesn't mean that he wouldn't have. This is the problem. We have an out-of-control border. It's so out of control, in fact, that the United Nations, the United Nations designated the U.S.-Mexico border the most dangerous land crossing in the world. They designated it in July the most dangerous land crossing in the world. Also because of the number of migrants that have lost their lives making this journey, which is by the way, at the invitation of President Biden, who appears to be assisting the drug cartels because he is not allowing our federal officers to do their job. And he is basically at this administration. What, you know, I say President Biden because the buck does stop. The buck does stop uh, at his basement. We know that. It stops at his basement, but he really doesn't even know what the hell he's doing. So basically we have an elected president who is shaking hands with ghosts and has no idea what he's saying half the time, and it can't even put words or sentences together. And we have a bunch of unelected officials running our country. That's really what's happening here. So we have a bunch of unelected officials running our nation, a president who we have elected who is completely lost. And that's a very dangerous situation for us to be in. And we have tied the hands of our law enforcement officers. We have tied the hands of our federal agents. We have created a situation at the border, at least this administration has. And I know you guys are thinking this. Every single day, communities are overwhelmed. And we're going to be talking to the Illinois mayor about his community and the the rise in crime and the dangers that we're all facing and why this is such an important issue for him, and this is why he's running for Congress, Mayor Pekal, like others, are putting themselves out there and trying to save this nation from what appears to be a very, very dangerous future. And it's stories like this, when you think about it, human smugglers dragging our Border Patrol agents, you know, finding children dead along the border, you know, because of the environment, because of the the Rio Grande has swept them away from their mother's arms. You know, and when I think about this, it just enrages me. It enrages me. The fact that we lost a National Guardsman trying to save people that were drowning in the Rio Grande. I mean, let's not forget these things. These officers, our law enforcement officers, are putting their lives on the line every single day. They never know what they're going to encounter or who they are going to encounter. I can tell you this, that I have overwhelming love and support for our law enforcement and our military and our intelligence agencies and their apparatus. We also hold them accountable when we talk about like the FBI and what's happened in the United States under President Trump. But our officers and our agents and the people who are doing their job are doing it because they love this country. And um, I want to thank them for that every single day. And I know for a lot of them and a lot of you who are listening, I know a lot of you out there are law enforcement. I know it's tough. I know it's tough on you. It was tough even on my husband when, you know, he was thinking about Afghanistan and President Biden's horrific, horrific withdrawal from that nation and everything that we've had to deal with since then and the loss of lives, but I got to tell you this, the American people, we love you and we thank you and we thank you for everything that you do. Before I get to Orland Park Mayor Pica, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about Mike Lindell and his new greatest venture with my pillow. It's called my store. I know this is going to be awesome. Why? Because my store has all American made products. It's like a one-stop shop. You can visit mystore.com backslash carter now for a full list of products. When you buy USA Made, guess what? You're supporting your neighbors and you're supporting your local economies and ensuring your hard-earned dollars are funneled back into your communities. Reduce your reliance on foreign goods by shopping at mystore.com backslash carter. Be sure to use the code CARTER for additional savings at checkout, mystore.com Backslash Carter, you're going to get all that great stuff. Remember the Percal bed sheets, the My Pillows, all of that. Just use the promo code Carter. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. You're not going to regret it. Christmas is around the corner. Why don't you go there to my store and get some presents early? Right. This way, you don't
0: have to worry about shopping in December. Si tienes ciertas afecciones crónicas como enfermedad cardíaca, asma, diabetes, y tienes 19 años o más, 52. Treinta 42. Pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes, e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1855 213 2138 o visita prevnar20enespañol.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre prevnar20. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's
1: the life of the party.
0: Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy.
2: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumpacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: I am really grateful to have on the show today, Mayor of Orland Park, Illinois. He's making, uh, I mean a, a statement, a bold statement from Illinois. Keith Peacock, uh, Mayor Peacock, thank you so much for being on The Sarah Carter Show, and thank you so much for speaking out against this um, insanity of low bail, no bail. So thank you for being here.
2: Thank you very much for having me, Sarah. I appreciate it.
1: Hey, lip, I want to play everyone this clip. Um, this is a viral clip, uh, viral because of what you actually said, Mayor. In fact, Fox News at foxnews.com has a story there and I love the headline. Um, It's by Emma Colton and it's Illinois mayor drops hammer on new state law, eliminating cash bail, massive threat. Take a listen to this.
2: I can't even begin to tell you how dangerous this act is. First, it was passed in the middle of the night with 40 minutes to read an 800 page bill, which is unacceptable. As of January 1st, 2023, the following things will go into effect, and people need to be aware of this. It abolishes cash bail for almost every offense. This includes, but isn't limited to, kidnapping, armed robbery, second-degree murder, drug-induced homicide, aggravated DUI, threatening a public official, and aggravated fleeing and eluding. Offenders released on electronic monitoring have to be in violation for 48 hours before law enforcement can act. They could almost drive to Alaska before we can even look for them. It denies victims their constitutional rights. And keep this in mind, businesses and homeowners, officers will no longer be able to remove trespassers from your resident, residents or your businesses. Someone could decide to live in your shed and all we can do is give them a ticket you have to decide what level of force is required to remove them and whether or not it's legal. This is a massive threat to the residents of Orland Park, Cook County, and Illinois. I want to remind voters that several elected officials that will be on the ballot in Orland Park voted for this abomination. Senator Michael Hastings, Senator Emile Jones, and Representative Justin Slaughter all voted to put criminals ahead of the safety of law-abiding citizens and police. In particular, Senator Hastings, who personally told me that this this bill, that he had a family and that this bill was horrible and there was no way he would vote for it. An outright outright lie that, in my opinion, disqualifies him to hold his office. I will gladly cast my vote for for this resolution and demand the repeal of the Orwellian-named Safety Act.
1: What is going on, Mayor? What is going on? That we have put criminals and criminal behavior and ahead of victims and ahead of our families and our communities.
2: Yeah, I have no idea what's going on. 18 months ago, this was passed, or actually more than that, January of of 2021, this was passed. The reason it didn't go into effect until January of 2023 is because there's an election this year, and they knew that, so they didn't wanna see it. And we've been living it here in Cook County in the Chicago area. These are Kim Fox's policies on steroids. And we're we've been de- we've been living with it here and dealing with the criminals here and it's and her policies, which are like the other weak DAs throughout the entire country, this is worse. And then when you fold in all of the trespassing related issues as well, people are going to be forced to take the law into their own hands at some point.
1: Well, I, I absolutely and I absolutely would take the law into my own hands if my family was being threatened. We see what happens when you just release prisoners out on the streets, when you don't have any system of law, when you defund the police, when you take away the power. And I'm not even talking about defunding them like financially either. You can, you can defund them by just limiting their ability to even work on the job. I mean, their hands are tied behind their backs. They feel like they can't do their job. Look at what's happened in Chicago with the crime. Talk a little bit about Kim Fox. She's not the only one. We have DAs across this country. We've seen it from L.A. We've seen it all the way to Pennsylvania. We've seen it across the country. These radical DAs, you know, that are coming in and then they're just kind of dismantling any semblance, uh, civility and normalcy in our communities. Talk a little bit about what's happening there, because I know it's been it's been tough for the people of Illinois
2: she's been in office slightly longer than I have. And we saw crime starting to spike when I got in office five months after her. And her policies are, she runs a catch and release program is what she runs. And uh, it, she she runs the DA's office like she's the public defender. And we need public defenders, but we need DA's. And if you want right. to be the public defender, then be the public defender. But she run, that's how she runs her office. And she has people retiring. She has people leaving because they don't like working underneath her. And the, the bails that we get from the court system are incredibly low, and now they're not even going to have bail. And we know that she's a weak DA, so she won't take any extra steps. There are some extra steps that can be taken in this bill to try to get bail. I guarantee you she will not do that. And it really still makes it very, very difficult, very time-consuming, very expensive. And some of the neighboring DAs will try to get some better bails, but it's very unlikely that they're going to be able to get it. And what's even worse is anyone being held on bail on January 1st. They're going to be let out the door. Now, think about that. They're not going to be bused to where they were arrested. They're going to be let out the door at 26 in California and Chicago or in Wheaton in DuPage County or in Bridgeview. They're going to be, that's where they're going to be let out. And when that happens, it's January 1st in Chicago with people who don't have a job, are already in jail for some kind of crime. What do you think they're going to do? And you can't remove them from your garage for trespassing or your shed, what what could possibly go wrong?
1: See, this is what I don't understand. How is it even possible? And, and, and I think this is where a lot of Americans are just blown away. I remember bringing stories even to Fox sometimes about things like this, and they would be like, that can't be true. That can't <laughs> be can't, true. Like, you, can't make you have up. to show me proof that this is a real story before I put it on the air. But we really can't throw people out of our garages This is the this is the kind of law that they passed. What is it going to take?
2: They can write them a ticket, but it'll be lowered to a class B and C misdemeanor, which shall issue a ticket, which means the police can't even put their hands on them. If they put their hands on them, it's a Fourth Amendment violation and they're going to get sued civilly so they can't touch them. They can take residence in your shed. They can hang out by your pool. And just I'm, I'm a dad. Right. My kids are, are right. grown now. But I can't even imagine fathers with someone pitching a tent in their backyard, how they're going to react to that.
1: Well, Putting let me their, tell you, if it's you- Their their
2: family. Or, or the moms, you know, everyone. We're, we're gonna defend our kids.
1: Well, you're right about saying that about moms. I'm a mom. And some man tries to pitch a tent in my yard. Well, I live in Texas, so there's a little different story here. <laughs> yeah. Some man tries to pitch, and that's why I moved to Texas. Some man tries to pitch a tent here in Texas, And uh, if they don't get that tent off my yard and they don't get out of my property, I mean, I can take drastic measures and I would to protect my family. And that's the issue. Why are they trying to put residents into these kind of dangerous and precarious situations? I was talking about this on my most recent podcast where I talked about um, driving through Georgetown and there was a man in my daughter actually pointed it out to me and she was seven years old at the time. And he was naked in front of a brownstone mansion. You know, these are million-dollar homes in Georgetown. Washing himself with a hose, with a hose in a yard of a family. You could see a little kid's bike in the yard. And, you know, how is this okay? How, how are we supposed to deal with that? And as mayor, what is the, I guess, what are you hearing from your constituents? What are you hearing from people about this did they even know this was happening
2: so we've been talking about it for a long time when this was first up for a vote we passed resolutions to vote against it we passed a resolution asking for right. the governor to veto it so we were public with it but people don't necessarily pay attention to their local board meetings even though we've been public and i've written articles you know i've written articles about it. i've reached out to constituents about it told said it over and over again But now it's getting close, and now the bells are really being rung, and they're being rung nationally, and people are starting to pay more attention because it is around the corner. And frankly, most of the people I talk to, they're like, your first reaction, is this real? Is this true? Yes, it's true. Yes, it's real. And yes, this is going to happen. And they're like, who possibly thinks this is a good idea? Same question you asked. Well, apparently enough people to pass by one vote. And oh, by the way, you think about it, we have a supermajority here yeah. for the Democratic Party and they passed by one vote. So it's not all the Democrats. A lot of them realize what a bad vote this was. And my understanding is, was when it went up for a vote, aside from being, they changed the, the number of the bill, introduced the, the new bill so that it weren't the 40,000 witness slips against it. And then they put it in front of everyone. And in 40 minutes, they passed it. Well, also, normally, they, when they do a vote, it's kind of a, you know, three, two, one kind of thing. OK, all the votes are in. Well, they didn't have right, all the votes. Right. So then they sent groups of people, apparently, like mobs of other state reps and state, to, to go and push this vote through to get people to change their votes. And who knows what they promised them or threatened them with or what have you, but got enough of them to get over the line and pass this just abomination of a bill.
1: This is what's so interesting to me. This is what just... I mean, I think it fascinates me, kind of blows my mind. It's these dirty political tricksters, right? They come in, you know, they don't give you enough time to read the bill. They change the name of the bill. They slip it into a different bill. They, they hide it from the public. But then it goes down to the real question, you know, where you brought it up very succinctly. You know, what did they say to the, the Dems that did vote for it? Well, how did they, did they threaten them? Did they promise them something? And then it comes down to this, who benefits from a bill like this? Who in the end, because somebody has to benefit, right? There has to be something going on that we're not like, us decent human beings are not seeing the whole picture here because that would be like me saying, hey, I'm going to pass a bill to take the gates off of my, you know, HOA and just let people run wild. And I'm not going to, you know, I mean, it makes no sense this bill at all. And so what do you think it is? What are they gaining from this bill? What are you hearing on the streets?
2: So what I heard, uh, and I I have not confirmed it, and I've been running for Congress, I don't have the time to confirm it, but I sure hope somebody goes out and does, is Mm. that, so some of the stuff that was in this bill was also a lot of policing things, like it mandated body cams, which are very expensive, and, the, and what's more expensive than the body cams themselves is all of the back end stuff, all the data that has to be collected, the servers, the FOIAs that can be done. And so you need people to do those FOIAs. So there's people that need to be hired for those FOIAs. But my understanding is some of those state legislators have the companies that, have, that are the only ones that do the back end work for those body cams. Oh, so there's there's, you know, the body cams, there's the there's the back end data, there's the servers, there's all of these things that are now going to be contracts. You think about that expense across 1,400 communities and our community had already approved body cameras, but we refused to put our officers in them because this bill basically said that they can't access their body cameras for a report, but then they can use that against them in court. I'm like, wait a minute. So you're telling them that they're going to be accused of lying if they write the report and it's different than the body cam, but you're not going to let them access the video, which nobody's memory is perfect. So we said, until you fix this, we won't put our officers in in, in body cams. Well, they did actually clean that part of the bill up. And so we put our officers in them. So we can afford it. We're a relatively affluent community. We place a big emphasis on our policing and also making sure not only that we keep our community safe, but that we hire the best officers and we keep them well-trained so it was important for us and 99 percent of any issue that comes up 99 percent of the times body cams clear an officer so the the officers wanted them to but that's very expensive and other towns can't afford that
1: so do you think that they were thinking like if but how does that reconcile with not removing trespassers from like private property how does that reconcile with this
2: I think they're independent other than the fact that they can now FOIA your body camera footage and say, Oh, you put your hand on me or you did this or
1: Exactly. You did that. So yeah. they're probably looking to make the police, once again, law enforcement, look bad, right? I mean, this is about this, putting our law enforcement officials on the spot as well.
2: Well, so that's the other thing. Statewide, they can people can anonymously complain about, about officers. So think about that. Someone gets arrested and they go and have six of their friends go immediately file anonymous complaints against an officer to muddy up that officer's name for when they go to court to try and get a conviction. There's all kinds of things in this bill that are just bad. It just needs to be repealed. There are some good things that right, we do already right. in our in our police force. And most police forces, I think, uh, follow a lot of these things already. But by and large, the, the the criminal no-cash bail portion of it, the trespassing portion, the the weakening of so many laws and making them misdemeanors or lowering like trespassing, making it a weaker misdemeanor are just, it's atrocious.
1: Mayor Peacock, you are going to be running for Congress. You are running for Congress. I mean, I think this issue is just setting you apart from the rest. Tell me a little bit about that and why you chose to run.
2: Well, I chose to run because in Washington, D.C., we see nothing getting done at all. And uh, it, it's it's just gridlock and the policies are horrible. And it's basically completely one side. We needed to flip the house. I thought I was the right person to do it, um, mm-hmm. given uh, that this is the biggest voting block in the, in the district is in my town. And, and not a lifelong goal of mine to be a congressman. I've only been a mayor for five years, uh, so I haven't been in politics that long. But I just think we need good people there with a broad base of experience. And I think between my time in the Air Force as a right. business owner and then as a mayor, I think I have those skills needed. And frankly, my opponent, Sean Casson is so far to the left. I mean, he not only the Safety Act to hear, not only does he support all of those policies in D.C., he actually voted for the, the, the Justice Act, which not only does all of this, but also gets rid of qualified immunity for police officers, which No police officer would ever want to apply for a job.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we've talked to police officers before. I've talked to police officers, even when I've gone up to New York City about this. This is absolutely ridiculous. This idea that uh, no cash immunity, that they won't have any immunity, against like an action that has taken place, you know, to protect themselves and people within their department is absolutely ludicrous. And they've they've said that I I've talked to folks that said they would just walk away from the job. They would just quit and completely walk away from the job if that ever goes through.
2: Uh, well, the, I mean they would be ruined financially from from lawsuits and everything else. I mean right. you would essentially, you can be... So what it means, and I don't know that everyone understands it, it means that you can be sued for a traffic ticket. You can be sued for anything. So just like in any job that you have, they could sue them individually and they could go after their house, their car and everything else. For following procedures and following the law, they can be sued civilly. Now, even now, they can still be sued civilly if they violate procedures or violate the law. So that still exists. They could be sued if they actually follow the law or follow procedures. And imagine that, a jury or (laughs) peers... (laughs) <laughs> what could happen in that in that case it, you know especially you know in in the city of chicago so officers would not want to I, I can't imagine we'd be able to hire one that was of any quality
1: oh no yeah absolutely absolutely it just exposes them to everything that's wrong and everything that can go wrong. And uh, it does no good for the citizens either. When you don't have the highest quality officers, you know what I mean, working in your communities. And I think that would uh, immediately eliminate that. Let's talk about that a little bit, though, because this has been, I think, the first time in, I would say, in the history of the United States, where we've actually seen lawmakers so far to the left. This isn't like our old Democratic Party, you know, where people would debate issues or policy and then find a happy medium and come to some resolution, which wouldn't happen all the time, but it would happen more often than not. We're talking about ideas like defund the police, defund ICE, you know, eliminate immigration and customs enforcement. You know, break down police departments. Have you ever, in your in your wildest imagination, imagined that this would be a debate that we would be having?
2: Uh, the whole world is upside down, and the the, the other big issue right now, it, it, you may have seen it on Fox, and e- even today, um, and I think some other places have picked it up as well. Is that uh, obviously Go- Governor Abbott sent migrants to the city I was of Chicago? Gonna ask you about that uh, to uh, to Lori Lightfoot. And she turned around and shipped them right back to the suburbs. So, wait a minute. The city of Chicago has said they're a sanctuary city. So migrants came in, and you sent them to a non-sanctuary city. You just complained about that happening, and now you sent them to the suburbs right away. And and it, to me, that there's a couple of problems here. One, you're treating these innocent, and you know, many cases innocent people who were invited here by the president wrongly, and in in probably all of our opinions that are on this you know, watching this show, but invited these people to the country to come across the border. And they're poor and the United States is the best country in the world. So you can't blame them for making that, making that trek. Now you've shipped them up to Chicago. Now you've shipped them to Burridge. You're treating them like cattle. I mean, That's it's it's in, it's inhumane. Then on top of that, we have the we have the problems of the border, and we have the problems of how they're vetted. So we know that we we have criminals. We don't know if they're in this bunch. We know we have criminals. We know we have terrorists getting across. That just came out in the inspector general report. Well, those policies are driven by my opponent. He fully supports them, and by Joe Biden and the rest of the Democratic Party. They own those policies. So they're shipping, potentially putting criminals. In our streets, into Chicago. And then Chicago's, well, we know I'm we're gonna shove them off into the suburbs so you deal with them. And and we're gonna now let them all if they do get caught with something, we're gonna let them all walk free because we have the safety act. Well, what you know, could go wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot can go wrong. You know, I spend a large majority of my time on the US-Mexico border. I travel frequently to Central America. I broke a story the other night on Fox News, a documentation showing how many in just one area of this border along the Rio Grande Valley sector, uh, thousands in the last month of people with criminal backgrounds, uh, past criminal backgrounds, or, you know, uh, crossing back and forth into the United States, having been sent back, having come back in. But a lot of the people that I had on the documentation had criminal records pedophilia, child endangerment. I could talk about MS-13, long rap sheets, you know, gangs, gang members, and on and on and on. And this is something that I think the Democrats own wholeheartedly now. And it's also the U.N. says this year, this past year, which a lot of people don't remember or don't realize it, they pointed to the U.S.-Mexico border as being the most dangerous land crossing. In the world because of the escalation in deaths and violence and coming here. But this is something that you, you rightly stated. Your opponent, as well as Biden, President Biden, have open arms for. Lori Lightfoot backs his policies on the border and elsewhere. So I don't know why they're angry at Governor Abbott I mean, these people are going where they want to go. They're going to sanctuary cities that they have been told will welcome them with open arms. So if they want to put them on a bus and get them there, that's fine. We're going to send them there anyways. I go on planes all the time that are filled with illegal migrants flying without even having IDs. And that's based on Biden's policy.
2: Well, not only that, the the southern border is the crossing for fentanyl in the opening opioid crisis. And so Sean Kastin, my opponent, voted against the federal ban on fentanyl. Okay, that passed even with a Democrat, because even most Democrats know that's a bad idea. My opponent voted against extending that ban. Okay. then you think about that in Illinois. There are people trying to push and make fentanyl a misdemeanor in Illinois, And then they and then they complain about the opioid crisis. I'm like, are you out of your minds? And I I, I honestly can't fathom. How individuals can even think this way, that something with three grams that could kill a thousand people, that we would want that on our streets.
1: Yeah. Is that one of the issues that you're really going to be fighting? It's because I know it's affected Illinois. I see what it's done to Ohio. I see what's happening across the United States when it comes to fentanyl. And and by the way, a lot of the pills that are on our streets are counterfeit pills. Um, So Kasten should know better than to vote against something like that, because we have to fight this every which way we can. These counterfeit pills, um, I consider them absolute poison. They're poisoning our children, poisoning our communities. And some of these precursor chemicals are coming from adversaries like China, who are allowing these cartels to manufacture these these uh, tablets, bring them into the United States to be sold for really, I mean, incredible prices once you look at how much they can bring across. I mean, and you're right. It's sometimes it's enough to kill entire states over and over again. At least they try to explain it that way. You know, when these when they catch these large amounts of fentanyl coming across our border and over 100,000 young people who've lost their lives, what will be your main platforms when you, I guess, that would separate you from your opponent, what are you going to be fighting for most? Because I know whatever you're fighting for, it's, it's got to be the same for a lot of Republicans in a lot of these areas that are overwhelmed by Democrats.
2: So you know, first and foremost, it's the crime issue that we've been talking about. I already talked about right. my opponent's position on fentanyl. He also voted against the Violence Against Women Act. Well, we've taken a hard stance on on crime, even in Cook County, and in Cook, and I, we're we're a town in Cook County, and crime is lowered every year since I've been mayor, and it's the lowest it's been in 27 years. Crimes against people and persons, right. because we're very very proactive, and we have a great police department. How do we do that? We do that by collecting so much evidence that Kim Fox has to charge. We do that by doing using private labs for evidence, so we get into 24 hours so people aren't released back out on the street. If we go to the state, it's six months to a year, and now you've got to go find them again. Puts your officers at risk, right? So we do a lot of things to ensure that our people that that our community is safe. And I have a track record of that. Sean Casson has absolutely the opposite. And then it's inflation in the economy. I mean, Sean Casson has said that we had zero inflation. He agreed with Biden last month, and now we have it 8.3 again this month. And so so he said that, he said that we have no, we're have we not in a recession. If you can't even acknowledge that a problem exists, how can you fix it? You can't. And as a mayor, we've lowered our debt, $52 million. We've lowered our spending, our operation spending 14%. And that's without cutting any police dollars. So that's like 20% to the rest of our budget, right? We've done good government things that have been fiscally responsible, which is what would help for inflation. Sean Caston wants to throw natural gas and gas out the window for renewables. Are we gonna need more energy or less in 10 years? We're gonna need more. So why are we taking anything off the plate? We should be adding everything. If some of that's renewables, that's great. We should be doing all of it. So we we there couldn't be two more different candidates than Sean Caston or myself on pretty much every issue. And it's really but it boils down to crime, inflation, and the economy. That's what that's what's, you know, people don't like paying, you know, over four dollars a gallon for gas. They don't like milk that's, you know, gone up 60 percent that, you know, everything costs so much more. People are being severely impacted by that. And then here, the crime is just out of it's out of control and it's going to get so much worse if they stay in power.
1: I got to tell you, those are the issues that when I talk to moms and when I talk to, you know, regular families and I'm, I consider myself to be one of them, I go to the grocery store, I see how much groceries have gone up. Crime is a huge issue for all of us in education. I think every single candidate for Congress, especially Republican candidate for Congress right now, needs to be following in your footsteps, needs to be listening to you. Look how great, you know, uh, I, I always say Governor Yunkin did in uh, Virginia up against the Dems when he stood up for families, stood up for, you know, our schools and stood against crime. Um, I think you're phenomenal. I hope you come back on the show. And where can our listeners go to support you? Where can they go? Because I really think we really need to do that. All of us need to be fighting together. Even if we're not living in your community, even if we're not in Illinois, we need to be supporting the good people like you, Republicans, you know, who are out there doing this good job and defending us. Where can they go?
2: Yeah, this is a very winnable seat. Um, www.keithpecaw.com. And they can get all the information they need right there. So thank you very much, Sarah. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you so much for being on The Sarah Carter Show. I'm bringing you back. You guys heard him. You guys got to go there. KeithPicot.com. We are going to send everyone your way, even from my website. Thank you so much, Mayor.
2: Thank you. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. The Biden administration admits secretly flying 320,000 illegals into the country last year. And some unhinged never Trumpers want to ruin the lives of people seeking a no labels third party candidate. I'm Greg Corumbus. Join Jim Garrity of National Review and me each weekday for the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We'll give you the good, bad and crazy news of the day and hopefully a lot of laughs, too. Follow the Three Martini Lunch on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I told you we've got these great people running for office. Now we just need to wake up America. We need to get to the polls. We need to get to the ballot boxes. We need to vote the right people into office. And I'm going to bring them here to you on the show as many as I can so that you can hear where they stand and, and what they're going to do for you. Because remember, our lawmakers, they are working for us. We do not work for them. By the way, Do you see this ridiculous story? It's embarrassing. It's insulting. I can't even believe it myself. Even when it was up on my own website, I couldn't even believe this. U.S. Army suggests soldiers apply for food stamps to combat inflation woes. This is just sad and embarrassing. When your own president, who, by the way, this is an all-volunteer force, you put your life on the line for this nation, You know, like my husband and everybody else, you fight overseas, you spend time away from your families, and then your president tells you, hey, guess what, guys? I know I've really screwed up. I know that inflation is rising and that you probably can't afford your groceries. Uh, So why don't you just go get some food stamps and join the food stamp program? That's just unbelievable to me. Listen to this. The U.S. Army is recommending soldiers apply for the food stamp program called the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP, uh, as inflation is making it increasingly harder to purchase goods. Now, I'm I'm not saying if you're on SNAP or if you have food stamps that you should be ashamed or that, you know, you don't need them. I am not saying that. I know this helps supplement families. What I'm saying is that the president shouldn't be suggesting to the U.S. Army to its soldiers to apply for food stamps in order to combat inflation woes. Maybe President Biden and his team over there in the Biden admin better start figuring out how they're going to make this nation better, put this nation forward instead of backwards. Because ever since he came into office, we have just been going downhill steadily. Downhill steadily. I want to read this to you. This, is, this was guidance that was written by Sergeant Major of the Army, Michael Grinston, he wrote this, With inflation affecting everything from gas prices to groceries to rent, some soldiers and their families are finding it harder to get by on the budget they've set and the ones that they're used to. Soldiers of all ranks can seek guidance, assistance, and advice through the Army's Financial Readiness Program. Based on the Pentagon's own data, 24% of enlisted personnel are food insecure, said McKinsey England an analyst at the American Enterprise Institute. While food stamps are a Band-Aid, they're also an admission, listen to this, that basic pay for enlisted troops and their families is too low. Yes, that is true. Further exacerbated by unyielding inflation, causing paychecks to shrink more. This is just shameful. It is just shameful. And as a spouse of a veteran and someone who has given so much of his life to our country, knowing that so many of our young veterans and our veterans' families, and by the way, let's not forget about the veterans' families because even our wounded veterans and those that come back, it's the families that also carry such a heavy burden. And when their loved ones are away and they're trying to make ends meet and there's only one parent in the household and they run the household as a single parent many times, This is a sad state of affairs. This should be a number one priority for the Biden administration. They should care about our veterans. This should be a number one priority for anybody on Capitol Hill. Our veterans and our military families should not be living like this. They should not have to go to the government for snap assistance, food snap assistance at all. They should not be doing that. They should feel proud of themselves in the job that they're doing, in their volunteer service for our country and our communities. And we should thank them for that every single day because it's a very small amount of people that actually volunteer for the military service at roughly around 1% or under. It's an all-volunteer service. And they're the ones that sacrifice everything when they are called to do so, so that the battle isn't here at home like it was on September 11th. They shouldn't have to feel this way. They shouldn't have to be begging the government for uh, stamps uh, to, to fill their uh, cabinets with food and their fridges with food. That, shouldn't, that should not exist here in America. It's shameful and it's wrong. They should be ashamed of themselves. Anybody who makes any veteran... Or military personnel feel this way. You guys, let's pray for them. Let's pray for our military. Let's pray for our law enforcement community. Let's pray for Mayor Peacock, that he uh, does the right thing and maybe finds a way to get them to reverse this crazy safety act, you know, and get that reversed so that the people of Illinois don't face something far worse come January, 2023. Hey, follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carter DC and on Instagram at SCarterDC. God bless you. God bless our great nation. And guess what? God bless the great state of Texas.
0: This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. That question of working harder than ever before to reduce risk is an interesting one because from the basic concept of free markets, there should be built in this idea that nobody wants their company to be responsible for this level of death and destruction. I'm Emily Jashinsky of The Federalist. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.